My name is Jessica Knight, and this is the Relationship Recovery Podcast. Today, I wanted to take a look at some of the questions that have been emailed to me since I started this podcast. And I chose to go through, and I picked 10 that we are going to look at today. And the purpose of, you know, kind of taking this route on this specific podcast is just to address a few different things that are consistently coming up. And before we get started, I just want to remind you that this is my perspective. This is also based on, you know, my training, my experience, my like as in my life experience, but also my work with clients. And so that's, you know, that's just what fills my perspective. There could be a million different other pieces that are a part of your perspective. So I don't want you to take this verbatim. I do always encourage you to get your own perspective and just take this as one of them because there's really no one way to heal through emotional abuse. So I'm just going to go one by one um, and I'll take the question and then I'll talk about like what some of the, what the answer is or what the answer I gave was. So the first question is, what do you say when, when you don't think that somebody means it? I get this question a lot. I don't think he means it. He doesn't know what he's doing. How can I, how can I call him emotionally abusive if he doesn't know what he's doing? I want you to look at the behavior and ask yourself, is he trying to change the hurtful behavior? Regardless if he means it, if he doesn't know what he's doing, if he's not taking steps to change it, especially if you've identified it and said it or said that like this hurts me or this, you know, I don't like feel like I don't like feeling this way or whatever it might be. Then I think like if they're not taking a step to change the behavior that's hurtful to you, then he does mean it. He does know what he's doing. You're saying this hurts me and he's saying, I'm going to do it anyway, you know? And like, I just want to right size that perspective because sometimes like, you know, this can be taken, uh, this could be like switched around. Like I've worked with people before where they like, you know, their partner doesn't like their friends. And so it's like, well, you're hanging out with them and that you don't like, I don't like that. You know, that's that like, that's not okay. Right. Like we have the right to have friendships. We have the right to have relationships. We have the right to have boundaries. We have the right to communicate them. But if you're saying to somebody, I don't want you to yell at me. I'm angry. Like, I need you to stop yelling at me. I need you to take control of your anger. And they're like, deal with it. You did this. He knows what he's doing. Immature or not, he knows what he's doing. A really good resource to begin to identify some of these behaviors is a book by Lundy Bancroft called Should I Stay or Should I Go? And it talks about emotional immaturity and emotional abuse. And that is a helpful book to begin to think about this question. But my biggest answer is, regardless of if he knows what he's doing or not, is he still doing the behavior? Look at the behavior, not at the intention. Question two, am I being gaslit? How do I know? What if I'm just too sensitive? I get this a lot. Like, it must be me. It can't be them. I must be too sensitive. I'm going to tell you this. If you feel crazy, if this person is insisting that things happen or that you said things or that it wasn't the way that you they said it was or that they, you know, if 
you're saying how you feel and they're telling you that you don't, then that's being gaslit. There are a lot of resources on the internet around what gaslighting looks like. And if you're reading them on Instagram or these other places and you're like, this sounds exactly like how I feel, you have to believe yourself. One of the main things I do in my work is I help you ungaslight yourself. I help you see the reality. Sometimes I'm on calls with people and I'm reminding them of things that happen that they're forgetting because they're being so gaslit all the time. A tool for you, if you're feeling this way, is to literally write out what actually happened. So if you feel like you had a conversation and they're telling you you didn't, write out what happened and trust that you're not crazy. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to assume that you are being gaslit. Question three, have you ever experienced a narcissist or abuser changing? No. The first podcast I ever did was on, or second podcast I ever did was on this. In order for an abusive person to change, they would have to change their thinking. It's a lot of work, a lot of work for them to do that. Healthy people have a hard time doing that. Abusive people who think they're right have a harder time. So the answer is no. And if you want to hear more about that, I recommend listening to that podcast of will the abusive person change? And then reach out to me if you have any questions. Question four, how can I start to step away? You need to start with some limited responses to them. So one way to do that is when things blow up, start to backtrack a bit, you know, like stop fighting for your perspective to be heard. Stop overdoing, stop overextending, stop doing all of those things. Begin to just become a witness to the situation. When you're fighting, make sure that you're protecting yourself. I did a podcast on boundaries. You can listen to that and think about how can I start to set some boundaries here so that I'm able to see what's happening and I'm able to create some space. That will help you look at the situation and start to see what's happening. What, where do I have control? Where do I not have control? What do I need to see? What do I need to change? So the answer, I mean, the short answer to this is just do less. If you're in an emotionally abusive relationship, you're probably doing a lot, right? Like a lot of caretaking, a lot of, you know, putting water on fires or you're doing a lot. You need to stop. Five, can I tell him that he's abusive? That usually doesn't go over well, is the answer. It usually doesn't go over well. I was able to successfully say that once in a deep conversation that I thought was received. I was crying when the words came out of my mouth, and I acknowledged that it was hard for somebody to receive that from me since I grew up in an abusive home. So, a lot of people have said like, oh, you just find abuse everywhere. Well, it's like, well, yes, but also I feel like you're being abusive. And so I had a really hard time saying it. I said it. I thought he heard it. It only took about four days for that to go away. I said it again a month later, a month and a half later, and I laid out specifically why. I probably spent about a week working on this letter and I laid it out. And he 
received it, but then challenged me on some of it. And then the behavior got worse. And I never felt like he understood it. And he constantly told me I was abusive. Even in the breakup, he told me I was abusive. Usually when you tell somebody they're abusive, they tell you you're abusive. So I really need you, like, if you're going to do this, really think about, can he receive it? Is this relationship, like, in a place where I can express my feelings? Is this conversation safe enough? You want to do it in a way where you're like, hey, this feels abusive. You know, like, I, I feel like, I feel like you are, have abusive tendencies and you don't know. And I don't want you to feel, I don't want this to keep happening. But also, like, I, I know this isn't you. I would not say you're abusive. You suck. Something like that. They're just going to get defensive. Six. Can he really change? So I mentioned, you know, earlier, listen to that podcast about can an abusive person change? However, what you can do is if you have a conversation with them and it's starting to feel like you're going on a different path together, what you can do is tell them to make a list of what you, what, sorry, I said all of that wrong. Make a list for yourself of what you need to see from them. So the answer, can they really change? Unknown, right? It's going to take some work. Make a list of what you need to see from them to really feel like they changed. At the top of the list that I had was he needs to go to therapy, something that was promised for me for about a year. He never went. And so when he finally came back, that was my first question to go into therapy. No. Okay. Like that's number one. It's number one for a reason. All like number two through 10 doesn't even matter. Number one wasn't even hit. So, and if he didn't go to therapy, that tells me he didn't really work on himself. This, a lot of this is touched on in that podcast of like why that's problematic. But if you are wondering if they could really change, think about what you would need to see in order to feel like this was moving towards a healthy relationship. Question seven, how do I start dating after an emotionally abusive relationship? I feel like I don't even know what's healthy anymore. I'm going to do a full podcast on this probably in the next two weeks about what it's like to start dating after an abusive relationship and how hard it can be to retrain yourself what healthy looks like. But I also want to encourage you to give yourself time. A lot of people jump into dating because they just want to like have a distraction There's no point in you being on a dating app when you're healing from this. What you need to do is be healing from the trauma-bonded relationship and cultivating new habits and engaging in self-care and being being comfortable being alone. Because the more time you have alone working on yourself, the more you will be able to choose a partner that feels right for you and that you don't feel like you're compromising to be with. You want to be with somebody who's healthy. When we don't do that, we typically end up with anybody. So be mindful of that because the more you get to know what you need, the more you'll be able to articulate what you need.
Eight. How do I ask for help? My family doesn't understand. A lot of people don't understand. You know, I sometimes will say, like, your best friend's not your life coach for a reason. You know, and your best friend isn't, may be great in all these other areas, but most people that understand either really are empathetic or they've gone through this before. So my suggestion to you is to look for help in places that have community. And what that looks like is there are helpful Facebook groups out there. And if you'd like to know what they are, email me. They are private because when you're dealing with this, you really can't have, you know, that's not something that you want to just have open. You don't want your partner really to find it in a lot of cases. So there are Facebook groups. If you would like me to send them to you, you can email Jessica at jessicanightcoaching.com and I will send you the links. There are quizzes that you can take to right-size that for yourself. If you want to see those too, reach out to me and I will send that to you as well. These are not my resources. I do not get paid for any of these resources. I'm literally just trying to help. Then there's hiring coaches, people like me, people like... um Caroline Strawson does a lot of work in narcissistic abuse. There are a lot of people out there that special. Okay, there's not a lot of people. That's an overstatement. There's people out there that specialize in this work. Find support in other areas. That's going to help you because you may need more support than the people in your life know how to give you. Another helpful resource is our podcasts. Um, the Love and Abuse podcast by Paul Cagliotti helped me immensely. And I recommend you look into that podcast too. Nine, was I wrong to not apologize? That one actually comes up a lot. Like it's typically that's a question that comes up when they are apologizing and then you don't apologize back for like making them apologize. And I just want you to know that like, Typically in an emotionally abusive situation, you are apologizing your ass off all the time. So it's totally okay that you don't, if like you reach a point where you're not apologizing, you don't always have to apologize. If somebody wronged you, or if you feel frustrated, or if you had an emotional reaction to their abuse, you don't need to apologize. And question 10. What's the difference between a narcissist and an abuser? This question comes up a lot. I'm going to do a full podcast on this, so I'm going to give you a half answer right now. Stop worrying about that. That's the answer. Don't worry about if he's a narcissist, if he's sort of a narcissist, if he's a sociopath, if he's a psychopath, if he's an abuser, like, don't worry about that. Worry about how you feel. Focus on like the person, focus on the behavior. Look at the behaviors, what's happening, whether he's, you know, emotionally immature, a psychopath, narcissist, a sociopath, doesn't matter. What matters is how you feel. And it matters how you're being treated. He can be all of those things at once. I will break it down for you because narcissism is like a personality disorder that has a diagnosis. And an abusive person, you know, is more like a, like these are the behaviors and this is the way this person thinks. 
Like they are different, but at the same time, a lot of narcissists are abusers. A lot of abusers have narcissistic personalities. Don't worry so much about that. Worry about how you feel. And so these are the most popular questions that I get. I've gotten these more than once. If you have a question that you'd like me to answer on a future episode, please email it to me at jessica at jessicanightcoaching.com. And I'd be happy to think about it and either respond to you by email or include it in a future episode. I hope this was helpful. And if you have any questions about the questions, please do feel free to reach out. And if you need support, I'm here. I will talk to you soon.